You probably heard that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and to prevent your body from going into starvation mode, you have to have at least six meals, and with very frequent snacks. If you've heard about the benefits of intermittent fasting and read some research about it, then you probably don't agree with that, and you actually skip meals quite frequently. But there's still a lot of controversy and conflict between eating earlier in the day or eating later in the day. It's another one of those popular sayings, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a beggar, which basically tries to tell you that it's better to eat earlier in the morning because your body is more insulin sensitive and the food that you ate won't be stored as fat. Whereas if you eat late and you only eat dinner, then all those calories are immediately stored as body fat. Fat. Well, in this episode of the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast, I'm going to go deep into looking at time-restricted eating, intermittent fasting, and whether or not you should have your food earlier in the day or later. Body Mind Empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs control your mind. Now, before I actually go into the research and science, then I have to clarify a few of the terms that are being used. And there are quite a few terms and techniques used to describe fasting. Intermittent fasting, alternate day fasting, extended fasting, just not eating, starving, time-restricted eating, and uh, many others. But uh, when I'm using terms like intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating, then they can mean the same thing in some instances, but they are actually somewhat different, and they have their own nuances. Time-restricted eating or time-restricted feeding, TRF, refers to eating within a certain time frame in the 24-hour period. Early time-restricted feeding would be eating in the earlier part of the day, somewhere between 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. Late time-restricted feeding would be eating in the later part of the day, between 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. Intermittent fasting, or IF, is more like cycling between eating and not eating, which can apply to alternate day fasting, eating one day and fasting the next day, extended fasting for three to five days, as well as it can also include daily time-restricted feeding. In reality, anyone who's doing OMAD one meal a day, 16 and 8 fasting, or the warrior diet, then they're actually doing time-restricted feeding, but it can be still categorized as a sub-group for IF. The difference between them is just a matter of degree, and it's just like terminology, it doesn't matter which one you use. Time-restricted feeding itself emerged as a concept within the context of circadian rhythms. In 2017, three scientists, Jeffrey C. Hall, Michael Rosbash, and Michael W. Young, they were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for the discoveries of molecular mechanisms controlling the circadian rhythm. In regards to health and nutrition, circadian rhythms play an immense role. They're going to dictate what kind of physiological processes to commence and which hormonal patterns to follow. The master clock is very connected to nutrient sensing pathways that detect the presence of calories and food. 
That's why it's a vital component to the regulation of autophagy, growth hormone, fat loss, insulin sensitivity, muscle growth, and much more. Dr. Sachin Panda, who is a professor at the Salk Institute and an expert in circadian rhythms, recommends people to eat their food within a minimum of 8 to 10 hours. During fasting, the gut and immune system have then enough time to repair themselves and conduct other autophagic processes. Dr. Panda's research has found that the average person eats over a 15-hour period, starting with a drop of milk in their morning coffee and ending with a late-night snack of some nuts or some chips. That's quite crazy when you think about it. Most people in the modern world spend virtually their entire day in a fit state because although they may be going through an overnight fast of 8 to 10 hours, their body is still in a fit state because it takes time for your body to fully digest the food that you ate before it can go into a state of autophagy and fasting. So that's why anything less than 14 or 16 hours of fasting a day isn't actual fasting because you're not going into a fast state. If you're eating more frequently than within a 12-hour period, then you're not even doing any form of time-restricted feeding and that has been shown to have like quite quite a few negative effects on your metabolic health, glycemic control and many others. Intermittent fasting has been shown to have many benefits such as reduced blood pressure, lower blood sugar and insulin, decreased triglycerides and improved metabolic health in general. It's also an effective weight loss method. Time-restricted feeding without reducing calorie intake prevents obesity and metabolic syndrome in mice who are fed a junk food diet. Dr. Sachin Panda took two groups of mice and put them on an obesogenic diet that was supposed to make them fat. One group of mice ate normally with no time restrictions within a 24-hour period, and the other one fasted for 16 hours and ate within 8 hours. The mice ate regularly with no time restrictions and snacked, developed diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, and inflammation. Those who ate the same amount of food but within a smaller time frame gained significantly less fat, had lower cholesterol and better blood sugar. I'll leave a link to the full article about this in the show notes and you can actually see many different pictures of these fat mice and lean mice and the difference between them is that one was just fasting and the other one didn't fast it, although they ate the same amount of calories. There's also a lot of evidence to show that time-restricted feeding is beneficial in humans beyond for just weight loss. It can prevent the development of cardiovascular disease and improves glucose control throughout the day. A study on pre-diabetic men showed that eating the same amount of food within 6 hours of time-restricted feeding improved glycemic control, insulin sensitivity, blood pressure and oxidative stress compared to eating that same food within a 12-hour window. Another study took resistance-trained men on the same lifting routine and put one group on a 12-hour eating window and the other one on the 16 and 8 method with 16 hours of fasting and 8 hours of eating. Both groups saw small improvements in strength and muscle growth, but the 16 and 8 group lost more body fat. They lost on average 1.6 kilograms versus the 0.3 kilograms of the group that was eating within 12 hours. The fasting group also had lower levels of inflammation. The physiological benefits of time-restricted eating come from the suppression of insulin, improved glucose control, reduced inflammation, increased autophagy, and spending more time in a fasted state. That allows the body to induce autophagy and self-repair more easily. So, regardless of what kind of a diet you follow or what kind of food you choose to eat, Time-restricted eating and intermittent fasting is probably the most effective and the healthiest dietary strategy you can do. You can even be very healthy, lose weight, have perfect biomarkers, 
even when eating a junk food diet with McDonald's and stuff, as long as you're doing intermittent fasting. Likewise, you can be eating the perfect diet with only organic ingredients, highest quality foods, and still have poor health because you're eating too frequently and you're not even going into a fasted state. Fasting and autophagy are that powerful. Most people doing intermittent fasting skip breakfast and either eat lunch or dinner, and sometimes both. A recent study published on the 30th of May 2019 showed that early time-restricted feeding between 8am and 2pm improves 24-hour glucose levels, alters lipid metabolism and circadian clock gene expression. However, that was compared to a non-fasting group eating between 8am and 8pm. Of course, early time-restricted feeding is better because it's actually going into a fasted state. The control group wasn't fasting, they were eating within 12 hours. Also, this study was done on 11 overweight individuals over the course of just 4 days. So if this study showed anything, then it is that early time-restricted feeding is still better than no time-restricted feeding at all. It doesn't really tell you that early time-restricted feeding is better than having your food later in the day. An 8-hour window between 10am to 6pm has also been shown to reduce blood pressure, lower body fitness and improve cholesterol profile, although it's a few hours later. One study took overweight women and put them into two groups. They both ate 1400 calories a day but spread differently across the day over the course of 12 weeks. The breakfast group ate 700 calories at breakfast, 500 calories at lunch and 200 calories at dinner. The dinner group ate 200 calories at breakfast, 500 calories at lunch, and 700 calories at dinner. The results showed that both groups lost weight, but the breakfast group lost more weight and reduced waist circumference. They also had lower fasting insulin, blood glucose, and triglycerides. This study wasn't time-restricted feeding, and it's not intermittent fasting either, but it may indicate that if you're eating more frequently, as in the case of 3 square meals a day over the course of 10 to 12 hours, then having summer calories earlier in the day can be more beneficial. But at the same time, there are many other variables that have to be taken into account, such as your exercise routine, what kind of foods are you actually eating, what kind of a diet are you following, and how insulin sensitive you are. If you eat most of your calories later in the day, but you take it after your workout, then you're going to see much better results because your body is more insulin sensitive and it's more glucose tolerant as well. Although you may be having more calories later in the day, your body would partition them much more faster and more efficiently because you're coming from a workout and you're more glucose sensitive. So that's the problem with most of these studies. They don't take into account intermittent fasting schedules, they don't take into account differences between eating routines and how they affect the person's blood sugar, and they don't take into account the timing of the day in regards to their exercise routine. To know whether or not there's any difference between early time-restricted eating versus late time-restricted eating, we have to compare two intermittent fasting schedules with as many hours of fasting and many hours of eating, then have them either eat their food earlier in the day or later. Fortunately, one study did exactly that. This study was done in April 2019 and took 15 obese men and had them eat within a 9-hour window, starting with either breakfast, where they consumed their food between 8am and 5pm, or with lunch, 12pm to 9pm. They did one protocol for a week, stopped and ate normally for two weeks to negate the adaptations, and then tried the second routine for another week. 
Regardless of eating earlier or later, the participants showed better glycemic control, no difference in average blood sugar levels, no difference in body weight, no difference in hunger response, total energy expenditure, sleep duration, gastric emptying rate, gastrointestinal hormones, triglycerides, or fatty acids. This study also has a much more scientific and better structure than the previous study I mentioned, where the participants were compared to a group who wasn't even doing time-restricted eating. It's also good to see that they tried both methods on the same people as to avoid any subjective differences between people's health. It doesn't matter whether or not you eat breakfast and lunch, lunch and dinner, brunch and an early dinner, or just one meal a day, as long as you confine the eating window. A smaller eating window is still the most important variable when it comes to the benefits of fasted physiology. So the saying that you should eat breakfast like a king lunch as a prince and dinner as a beggar, it should be actually changed into just have two meals or one meal <laughs> instead of having three meals because it's not going to do you much favor compared to skipping meals. And the best thing is that with intermittent fasting, you can make those two meals or that one meal a huge kingly dinner, if that makes sense. You don't have to be eating like a beggar just because you feel obligated to eat three meals a day. That's one of the best parts of intermittent fasting. You don't have to be eating these very low calorie foods and you can actually fit in a lot of the tastier foods that tend to have more calories. Any form of time-restricted eating is better than no time-restricted feeding at all. And generally there is no difference between eating earlier in the day or later in the day as long as you control for calories and you don't extend your eating window. But there are still some nuances and some things to keep in mind, such as eating too late in the day. That can definitely have negative side effects, such as it can interrupt your sleep quality, can make you feel bloated, and also raise your blood sugar and insulin in the next day. During daytime, insulin production by the pancreas is much better than at night. Blood sugar control is also best during the earlier parts of the day and worse in the evening. Melatonin levels begin to rise a few hours before habitual bedtime, given that you don't get exposed to blue light. When melatonin rises, it can bind to its receptor in the pancreas, which essentially tells the pancreas to stop producing insulin. Basically, the idea is that it's not necessary to be releasing insulin anymore, and it's time to sleep. If someone having a big meal during that time, then there might not be enough insulin to clear the bloodstream from glucose, and that's just going to result in an elevation of blood sugar. So, fasting can only have a negative effect on your circadian rhythms and your general health if it's going to disrupt your sleep. If you eat too much food too close to bedtime, then your gut is going to have spent extra energy on digestion. This can make you sleep worse, prevent your brain from going into deeper stages of sleep, and gives you this exhaustive feeling of a food coma the next day. That's why I think the optimal time window to stop eating before going to bed is about 4-6 to six hours. The least you can get away with is probably like 2 hours depending on how many calories you have to consume, but you just have to pay more attention to how you feel and what suits for you. Any less than 2 hours is probably not ideal, and you will also prevent your body from going into this deeper stage of autophagy during sleep if you're forced to spend more energy on the digestion. So that's why I try to stop eating at least four to five hours before going to bed. And I actually feel quite magnificent. Wait a minute. So what is the best time to eat then? Eating immediately after waking up and having a big breakfast isn't optimal either. 
cortisol, the stress hormone, is highest in the morning. It starts rising at about 5 to 7 a.m. and peaks around 8 a.m. so that we could have more energy to get out of bed. Eating food at that time makes it easier to store it as fat. More insulin sensitivity in the morning also means you need less insulin to shuttle glucose into the cells. That's amazing in a post-workout scenario where your glycogen stores are depleted. However, coming from an overnight fast, your glycogen stores are full. You just slept for many hours and you haven't done any exercise. Raising insulin and eating carbs at that point makes it easier to store them as fat. If you were to eat food after a workout, even if it's later in the day, then your blood sugar and insulin sensitivity would be much better because your body would metabolize that glucose better compared to having that same meal without having exercised before. So I think that eating immediately in the morning after waking up is still not good for time-restricted eating and circadian rhythms. Your body is already producing cortisol, which isn't actually a bad thing because it helps with the mobilization of body fat, increases your alertness, and helps to put you into ketosis. So even just waiting a few hours after waking up will enable you to gain those benefits. But if you were to have a breakfast right away, then you're probably just stopping those benefits. So if you prefer early time of feeding, then instead of having breakfast, think of something like brunch or an early lunch. Hunger also follows circadian rhythms. A study found that despite the extended overnight fast, people aren't as ravenous in the morning and they tend to not want much breakfast. You think that the longer they've spent fasting, the hungrier they would get, but the opposite happened. No matter how long their fast had lasted, the participants still reported less desire to eat after waking up. Instead, the internal clock increased appetite in the evening, independent of food intake and other factors. Hunger ditches at 8 a.m. and peaks at 8 p.m. according to the study. This also makes sense from the perspective of fasting because if you are coming from an overnight fast, then you're already in deeper ketosis and with the help of those ketone bodies, you have more energy for the brain and your body shouldn't feel hungry because you're satiated from your own body fat. At least in my own example, I can say that on my longer extended fasts beyond 48 hours, etc., then if I wake up in the morning, then I'm not hungry despite not having eaten for over three days. A good night's sleep is almost like a reset button for hunger because you're going to go deeper into ketosis and you're going to activate more autophagy during deep sleep. So you're not supposed to be hungry in the morning as long as you're metabolically flexible and keto adapted. Your body learns and adapts to your habitual meal times and adjusts its metabolic processes accordingly. One study found that the negative side effects of skipping breakfast, such as higher insulin and increased hunger, happened only in people who were used to eating breakfast. You basically feel lethargic and grumpy, not because you skipped breakfast, but because you're used to having breakfast and you kind of miss it. If you're already doing intermittent fasting and skipping breakfast, then you're not going to go into starvation mode or develop binge eating disorder because you're used to fasting. That also explains why some people say you shouldn't skip meals because you'll start gorging and overeating afterwards. Well, of course, if you're not used to fasting, you cannot be more hungry after breaking the fast, but it's not inherently caused by fasting, but because you're not used to it. As you become more fat adapted, it's gonna get easier and you won't even recognize hunger. I'll just enjoy this glass of water. I'm stuffed. 
So to kind of wrap it up, there really is no significant difference between early time-restricted feeding and later eating schedules, as long as calories and protein are matched. The actual benefit of intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating come from suppressing your calories in a smaller time frame and not spiking your insulin with frequent snacks and eating from sunrise to sunset. Both early time-restricted feeding and late time-restricted feeding have the benefits as well as negatives. Here are the pros of early time-restricted feeding. More synchronized circadian rhythm, better blood sugar regulation, sleeping in a fasted state, and more time to digest the food properly. The cons of early time-restricted feeding are, it's socially more difficult, some people can't fall asleep while they're hungry, there's more time to make mistakes because of eating your calories early in the day and not having anything left for later, and you may eat just because it's your eating window although you're not actually hungry, which creates another situation where you feel obligated that you have to eat. The pros of late time restricted feeding is easier to eat at a caloric deficit, there's less room for error, it's socially more acceptable, and you stay in a fat burning state for longer during the day. It's also not going to interfere with your resistance training and workouts. The cons of late time restricted feeding is that it may interfere with sleep if you eat too late, it can reduce blood sugar regulation if you eat too late, and it may put stress on digestion if you eat too late. So all of those mistakes and cons, they can be avoided by just not eating anything at least 4 to 5 hours before going to bed. You can even get the same effects by eating 2 hours before bed, as long as you don't overfeed yourself and you don't feel uncomfortable. Everyone reacts differently to fasting and nutrition, which is why you have to find what works for you and take everything with a grain of salt. At the end of the day, it's very context dependent. You can make mistakes and fail on both early time restricted feeding as well as late time restricted feeding. The final results and outcome aren't that much depend upon the particular fasting routine, but more so of the individual who's doing it. Any form of time-restricted eating is better than no restrictions at all. Dr. Sachin Panda says that optimally everyone should eat within 8 to 10 hours, and I agree that that will be probably the minimal everyone should stick to. If you eat within 8 to 10 hours, then it means that you're gonna fast for at least 16 to 14 hours, which is just the bare minimum for allowing your digestion to take a break and go into like the lighter stages of fasting. But if you actually want to gain more significant effects, then you probably need to fast over 16 hours and optimally for 16 to 20 hours and consume your food within 4 to 8 hours. I don't think there is any significant difference between doing one meal a day and eating your food within 1 to 2 hours versus doing the warrior diet where you fast for 20 hours and eat within 4 hours. But I do think that there is a difference between the warrior diet and OMAD versus the 16 and 8 method. On the 16 and 8 fasting routine, you're probably not gonna get a lot of autophagy. With the warrior diet and OMAD diet, you're gonna at least go into the initial stages of autophagy. Whether or not it matters depends on what you're doing for the rest of the 24 hour periods, how much you exercise, what kind of food are you eating, how well are you sleeping, and what's your general fasting routine over the course of the entire year. So even on the daily schedule, it's very context dependent, and you can't say that the one meal diet is better than the 16 and 8 fasting just because of the fasting routine. As I said, it depends on the particular individual and what are they doing at other times. If you want to know how to optimize fasting and autophagy with clever meal timing, food combinations, strategic caffeine consumption and training, 
then check out my book metabolic autophagy you can get the paperback version on amazon as well as the audiobook version from my website at seamland.com there you can also find links to the masterclass if you want to get access to the 12 plus hour video course with over 23 video lectures dozens of walkthrough videos with a four-week meal plan and a four-week workout routine and 50 plus recipes so it's definitely worth it all the links are in the show notes including the studies that i mentioned and the articles but other than that if you want to support this podcast then leave us a review on itunes and other social media platforms as well thanks for listening my name is Seem. stay tuned for the next episode stay empowered